We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith podcast, uh, post-match podcast for West Ham United 2, Newcastle United nil on what was a, a tough day for uh, for Rafa's mags. Um, I've got myself, Alex Hurst, I've got Chris Shipman and Norman Riley on the line to talk through the game, what went wrong and what it means for the future. Uh, very quickly, we are sponsored by our parents who pay about £7 a month um, to get four to five extra podcasts on Newcastle United every week through your chosen podcast platform of choice. Uh, and we're also in partnership with fans, but the unique gaming company who share 50% of their net profits with supporters associations like True Faith. Uh, Norman, we'll jump straight into it. Uh, you and Chris were at the game. Uh, I wasn't. I watched it on TV. So, uh, first of all, I always like to hear about your day. What was it like as an away day? Um, and then your thoughts on on a very broad idea of simply what went wrong. I um, had a had a really good day. Other than obviously the the match itself, um, usual kind of pre match build up, meeting mates in the pub. Uh, me, Chris, and John watched Spurs Arsenal, which was a you know, a mildly entertaining game. Um, had a few pints, headed across to East London, went to a really good um, craft beer place, I suppose you'd call it, called uh, the Howling Hops. A um, couple of drinks there. It was absolutely mobbed. And Newcastle West Ham fans mixing together. Great atmosphere. Um, and headed on to, on to Stratford, uh, the Stratford Stadium from there, um, which is, you know, obviously an absolutely awful stadium for football and in a really... Crap location as well for it, um, but you know the, the match obviously has a huge bearing on on your overall kind of enjoyment of the day, you know, and obviously the disappointment of the performance it kind of makes the day less enjoyable than what it would have been if we if we won or got a point. But at the same time, you know, the, the day the day was great. Um, as I say, meeting up with good people, um, and I suppose. After the match, not not being too disheartened because in in context, I think I mentioned this on the match day podcast. In in context, of the last seven games, it's only our second defeat, and we probably expected to lose to a couple of a couple more teams within within that group that we played. So I'm not uh, I'm not too devastated, and um, I'm not going to kind of dwell on this result. It's just a case of looking forward to to the next match against uh, Everton at home, and hopefully bouncing back with with a three points. Then that'll that'll put this. This kind of non-performance to bed. Fair enough, Chris. Um, most people watching the game on TV and, and, and Twitter was a very negative place at half-time, as you'd expect. Um, I mean, it's a negative time. Sometimes we'll win. So when we're 2-0 done at half-time, uh, it was uh, on the floor. Um, it felt like the game was done. Um, did it feel like that from the stands? And like, you know, if so, why? And what kind of what were your what were your half-time thoughts amongst yourselves? 
Yeah, I think for me, uh, I kind of echo uh, that feeling uh, in the ground itself. It did, it did feel like uh, you know it was a foregone conclusion uh, at half time that you know we weren't necessarily going to come back. Um, you know, of course, unfortunately, this is a side who very rarely come from um, behind to win. Uh, so you know, definitely the kind of the second goal that that. Um, the penalty, I think, really kind of sealed it. I think one uh, one nil, you know, possibly, you know, you kind of look at hope uh, based on the last few performances. But uh, once the second one in uh, went in, um, you know, I was pretty uh, demoralised, um, albeit in the context of a very good week. Um, you know, West Ham, you know, have a, a really good attack. Um, so you know, it, it was and it wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, feeling like we we're going to come back from that. Um, in terms of kind of uh, you know tactics in the second half, I did think we could, we played a bit better. Um, whether whether Rafa has a a plan B or not, uh, I don't know if it's kind of Rafa's tactics or the players themselves. Um, obviously, kind of cutting edge. Um, you know, Almiron's made a lot of um, uh, positive uh, impact on the team, um, but you know, in and of himself, you know, to have just one player there um, that you're relying on. Uh, to kind of uh, get you up the shit um, if you're a couple of goals down uh, I'm not necessarily uh, sure so yeah I mean I think at half time uh, I think we, we hadn't had a shot on target by half time it, w- it wasn't necessarily looking good uh, and I think I was already kind of starting to think of, of the Everton match to be honest yeah and um, a normal kind of same same question to you you, you obviously both of you lads and only Castle fans went into this game um, in, in such positive frame of mind and thinking we're either going to win or get a draw you know like what simply normal what what went wrong in the first half I like well, what what Chris says really I think you know I, I mentioned on the match day podcast that West Ham are one of the sides that regardless of how much confidence we might have taken from the last the last few weeks and the, the good performances that we've we've had um West Ham are so unbelievably unpredictable um so I, I wasn't necessarily going in the game thinking you know, with that kind of gut instinct that now we'll win today or we'll get a point today. I genuinely had no kind of, no feeling one way or other. It was like, this is one of those days where I could see us blowing out or I could see we're winning. It was like, there was kind of no, as I say, no kind of ins- instinctive feeling towards the result we're going to get, um, which I think has been the case pre-Burnley, pre-Huddersfield, pre-Wolves to a certain extent, I think. Um, I, had, I had that kind of, we'll get someone today. Whereas with West Ham, just not, not, not even, not that, not any of that in the slightest. Um, and unfortunately, um, the moment that they they got that second goal, regardless of how we made it play in the second half, they were already two up by that point. They could afford to switch off. They they kind of did what what we do if we go a couple of goals up. I um I mentioned on the on the match day podcast the the Burnley performance, you know, in, in the press and kind of on social media, people were saying that Burnley actually were, were quite unlucky. They created chances, they could have scored goals, etc. But by the time they started playing, we were already two 0 up, and it didn't really matter. We could afford to to let them kind of huff and puff. And that's what West Ham did was to a certain extent. I mean, we had we had seventeen attempts at goal, um, three on target, which was more than they had. We had more attempts at goal and more attempts on target than West Ham did. Yet, um, yet we blew out two 0 But if you only start playing when you're two 0 down, then you're kind of you're, you know you're you're asking for it. And um, I think ultimately, regardless of how positive the second half might have been, you know, taken as a as a half on its own, I think ultimately we deserved we deserved to lose yesterday. And that's not that's not because West Ham any particular great shakes. They just did a job on us. They got that early goal. Um, we didn't really know how to respond to it. it as Chris said, if we got through the half time, that might have been, it might have been a different game. Um, but the second goal uh, that that killed it, and and I think Noble and Race, Noble and Race. I think that that was pre-match. That was my my thoughts. Where the key battle is Noble and Race versus Longstaff and Hayden. 
And um, it was quite obvious after sort of, what, five, six minutes that Noble and Rice were really, really up for the match. And uh, they, dominated, they dominated the game and, and that was that was ultimately the platform for their, for their victory. Uh, Chris, uh, can I just talk to you about the the goals that were conceded and it was very unlike us um, to gift West Ham two goals like that. And I think, Norman, you, you, you make a really good point that as much as the commentators were, were big up West Ham, you know, apart from the... the the chances in the first half, the, the the goals. I mean, there wasn't really much between the sides. Well, I think we're going all agree Newcastle weren't playing well. What do you think happened, Chris? There, I mean, two players who've been so important recently to our good form in Lejeune and, and Cher really letting the lads down. Do you think? Do you think you're always going to get, you know, mistakes from players that cost three million quid? Like, there's a re- there's a reason that you know Cher is the age he is. You know, it isn't playing at a higher level considering how good he is at the ball. Do you think this is always going to happen, or do you think it's just a bit of a you know a bad day at the office and we shouldn't look too much into individual performances because no one played well? I think for me, it's it's the latter. I think it's a bad day at the office. Um, you know, let's not forget the really good performances that um, you know the whole team, but particularly the defence, have put in um, over the last few games. Um, you know, we we are high or were before. Uh, we are high in the form table uh, for a reason. Uh, and you know players are going to um, at any level you know uh, there is going to be a degree of kind of um, uh, switching off at some point it's just unfortunate that, that happened uh, uh, yesterday um, I think for me particularly the first goal um, when we saw the um, the starting lineup and there was there was no Andy Carroll um, you know I was pre- you know, I was pretty confident there that you know that we wouldn't necessarily have to worry too much about balls into the box unfortunately it was proved, proved wrong pretty early there um, but yeah as you say I, th- I think a, a bad day at the office for me I mean Chris I was to say to you that uh, one of the biggest criticisms f- um, is that we don't have a plan B do you think it, you know Rafa did change the four at the back what 20 25 minutes to go bringing Paul Dummett and moving Matt Ritchie would you would you like to see that happen at half time well uh, yeah, uh, Rafa. You know he makes changes, particularly on the on the sub side of things as well. And um, pretty late in in the game, and I think you know moving that you know ten fifteen minutes earlier. You know I, I would like to see that. I wonder if it's you know um, a lack of a lack of confidence in the resources that he has. You know he's he's worked miracles with these players, um, but again, you know they they are at Newcastle for a reason, and there's a I think a two degree a kind of glass ceiling. Of, of quality uh, that they have and that's not to you know demean them they, you know, they're good players but they're not great players um, so unfortunately I think it's it's reflective of, of, of the resources uh, that he has Yeah fair enough and, and my take from yesterday watching it was just how much I envy West Ham in terms of like whatever happens in the summer with Newcastle United um, you know the aim for Newcastle next season should be to have a season like West Ham if you can do better great but the fact that I mean Newcastle have had, what, five of the last six Premier League seasons we've flirted with relegation. You've got 12, 13, we finished 16th. 13th, 14th, we didn't, we finished 10th, but it was still shite. Um, 14, 15, we probably should have got relegated. John Carver's finest effort. 15, 16, we did get relegated. Uh, and then 17, 18, most of last season until kind of March, um, we'd well in a relegation battle. And then so far this season as well, you could argue we're still in a relegation battle. So... The, the aim for West Ham, I think, you know, people look say West Ham and Pellegrini spent a lot of money. When you're a team that loses regularly, like we are, like West Ham have been over the last couple of years, to just be out of that relegation picture is a massive positive. But also, you kind of saw a performance from West Ham yesterday 
which I envied quite a lot. So if you look at the performances against Burnley and Huddersfield, look at our reaction, look at the reaction of other Newcastle fans. It's been absolutely tremendous. Everyone played to the t- to the best of their ability in those games. Absolutely fantastic performances. Really good performance at Wolves before that. Superb against Manchester City before that. But you know, using these kind of adjectives and these kind of describing words. I want I want to support a team that doesn't have to play to the very very best of its ability just to win a game in the Premier League, and you saw that from West Ham yesterday. A good solid team. They don't they don't pull up any trees. They're on their day. They're they're probably capable of, of beating a lot of teams and giving a lot of teams a game. Um, you know they're, they're probably wildly they are wildly inconsistent. They can go to Wolves and get beat three 0 They can beat Manchester United at home. Um, but West Ham pretty much just turned up yesterday and beat us. Um, which is both demoralising to, because it's, we're a side still that, that can happen to, um, but also kind of shows you that we, you know, we, we do still have the limited pool of resources like Chris alludes to there. Um, I think Mark Douglas said it on, on social media last night, and he made a really good point, um, that this team and this group of lads has to be 100% at it every single game or we get beat. Um, we have to be we have to be more confidence. You know, as soon as you have one or two key players like a Lejeune, like a Cher, falling below that level last night, we'll, we'll look hopeless. And as much as we improved in the second half, um, you know, we didn't really create any clear cut chances. I know, and you've got to give credit and, and fair. You know, I was nice to hear Rafa after actually giving praise to West Ham centre backs. You don't normally hear a manager do that because um, I thought the referee was a piss take yesterday. Every time a West, West Ham player fell down, it was a automatic free kick. And um, Mark Noble, in my opinion, possibly should have been sent off for his shithouse tackle on Almiron. He was all half an hour late from behind. Um, it just That was just a tackle intended to hurt our player. Um, but apart from that, we didn't do enough and it's kind of it's a it's a nice wake up call. Um, you know, we are, we have quite a tough run of games now and I know Bournemouth are in bad form. That's a hard game away from home. I'm going to that one with you lads. Um Everton at home, you know, Everton won their last away game three 0 They're a bit inconsistent, they're a little bit as you say, like West Ham in terms of the quality that they have. If we if we turn up and put in a performance like we did say against Leicester at home, you know, remember how easy that game was for Leicester where again they just kinda of turned up and beat where so we're certainly not out of the woods yet. I mean you could argue that Cardiff, um, are they going to pick up six more points or whatever? We are we're above them, but you know you're not sure. But it's but it's eminently possible. Um, but I think this game was a reminder of where this squad is and how much work still needs done to it. And Norman, I think a, a good a good thing to talk about would be how much better we looked with Diarmi in the second half. And was this the game where the Hayden Longstaff partnership kind of finally ran out of steam? Um, and as you alluded to, Noble and Rice dominated that midfield in the first half. Uh, uh, the, the word, the word, I mean, dominates, dominates a strong, it's a strong word to use. Um, I don't think they were dominated in the sense that they were utterly outplayed. I just think that um, Rice and Noble um, had a, had a better day at the office than them. There wasn't any kind of outclassing as such. Um, and the reality is, here in the long stuff, you know, this is this is the first. Um, again, I hesitate to use the word, but I will. The first bad performance, um, or the first performance that they've had together where they've come up against two midfielders who've just had a better day than them. Um, Hayden Longstaff was superb against Burnley, superb against Huddersfield, Wolves, Man City. They've been absolutely brilliant, and it, they're going to have these these occasions where you know they, they just they just don't play as good as the players that they're facing. Um, and the, the fact that they've actually gone sort of four or five games consecutively better than their opponents is is superb and kind of. And kind of unusual. Um, I think that um, 
I mean, I, th- I think the, the temptation to bring um, Diomia back in uh, at Everton will be there because obviously Diomia came on and he was really, really good in the second half. But again, talk about context, West Ham were two up at this point. It's almost like, you know, Diomia was kind of allowed to be good because West Ham weren't really pressing that much. Um, it's it's a bit tough. I mean, I, I want I want to see them given a start against Everton because I want to see how they respond to the fact that they've, they've been out-battled and, and out-thought and out-fought. Um, I'd like to see them respond because this is, this is character-building stuff, you know, um, especially for Longstaff. This is the first time that he's really been in the side and, and, you know, and being better by an opponent and I want to see how he responds to it. Um, I suppose in training this week, Rafa's going to, you know, he's going to go, he's going to gauge the situation um, and, and we'll see what happens against Everton. But uh, but as I say, as a, as a fan, um, I want to see Longstaff grow as a person and, and, and as a footballer. And in order to do that, you know, you have to be able to bounce back from disappointment. And yesterday would have been a massive disappointment. So no, I don't I don't think the partnership's run its course. I just think that um it was a, a game where, you know, as happens, a team and a couple of players were better than them on the day. Simple as that. Chris, same question to you, I suppose. I think maybe long term, what is your you know, give me give me Rafa's starting midfield two in five games time. If everyone's fit, do you think that Shelby, Key, Diarmi are still the kind of first choice? Or do you think that Hayden and Longstaff have shown that they're actually more influential and better than the same players in the same position? Yeah, I think they've definitely forced their way into contention there. Uh, I think, you know, if they were all fit, um, all five players there, you know, for me, you'd probably be looking possibly at uh, Shelby uh, and Diarmi. Uh, possibly, but then obviously Diame, sorry, uh, Shelby, you know, has a history of playing slightly deeper uh, than might be ideal. Um, but, you know, we do have uh, five players there that are all, you know, all, all decent. So it is nice to see uh, some options. Um, obviously, we haven't seen Key uh, for a little while, or at least not the kind of the key of uh, the end of last year. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, he's a really, he's a really solid, dependable player and brings something to the side. Um but yeah, so I mean, I think there are options there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to, for me to pick kind of two um, standout easy calls. Um, although you know Shelby just with his natural ability um, and um, Diame with his you know, uh, you know his, his power um, and the way that he can pick the ball up and move forward with it, um, I think maybe slightly shade it, but not by much. I think I, th- I think it'll depend a little bit on whether we we'll stick with this formation or not. The last two games you've seen Rafa change back to a four at the back, um, and you know, for example, the Fulham game, the famous, infamous Fulham game that was nil nil. He stuck with that formation right until the end of that game, and obviously this change of formation to five at the back, three at the back, whatever you want to call it, has you know brought points, crucial points, and performances. So I'm not you know 100 percent sure, but I think I think for this formation. Um, Shell, uh, Longstaff and Hayden or the two if he was to change you, you want to see Longstaff now stay in the team as a fan because you know I don't think we'll get relegated and you'd love to just see him given as much game time as possible but if that was alongside a John Joe Shelby or a Key you start to think that well that's going to be a very positive attacking uh, pair which can also particularly with Longstaff shield the back four but in addition, you know, really start to find Almiron because Almiron struggled yesterday, I think, from from a lack of service and having to pick the ball up way too deep. So, Chris, I'm going to come to you. You know, showed in, in flashes of what, he, what he's capable of yesterday, but most of the time he was picking up the ball and beating players in our own half. Do you think he's been played too deep, particularly in away games? Should he be much closer to Rondon? 
Yeah, I think very possibly. Um, something that we discussed on the uh, preview uh, for patrons uh, in quite a lot of depth was uh, how West Ham play with quite uh, a high line. And obviously, if you've got Almiron uh, playing uh, deeper, um, you know, we're, we're negating the ability to kind of run at them and get through. Um, so, yeah, I would like to see him kind of play more advanced, um, you know, possibly with someone else behind him picking the ball up and give and distributing it to him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's relatively early days. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, while Rafa, um, you know, has, has seen him in training over the last month and, and watched him for a long while, the actual practicalities of getting him in the team and kind of getting him up to speed it is going to take um, more than four games, albeit, uh, you know, he's, he's started really strongly. And uh, Norman, thoughts on Almiron's performance yesterday? He's, he's the player that everyone's kind of keeping a really close eye on at the minute. Obviously, one of his uh, less effective games, but then surely there was... Uh you know, an excuse for that, considering how the, the the team performed overall. Absolutely, I don't think um, any any blame for yesterday's kind of non-performance in general can be attached to Almiron. I mean, as Chris says, this is his his fourth game. Um, it's his third start, his first away start, and he came up against a team that um, that just didn't didn't allow him the the kind of the space that he needs to do what he can do. And, and as you both mentioned, he's having to come deep to collect the ball, and that's. He's just not that. That's that's not going to be where we get um, maximum kind of uh, impact out of him. He's a, he, I mean, the one thing about him coming to, to get the ball, the one positive about it is that it's obviously it shows his desire and his desire there was there yesterday. Um, West Ham, I think, obviously, can you know they 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 targeted him as a as a as a threat and and they just basically they shut him down by shutting as I say that as I've mentioned that that sort of platform of uh, of Longstaff and Hayden. Um, the the army run um performance in general you know his close control was brilliant he, his movement was was really good despite the fact that he's playing deep um i don't think he lose any confidence um with with his defeat and and i think we'll see a, a completely different um game against everton i think uh everton or, or the kind of say that will allow him the space you know that that he needs and that he that he'll do most um, most of his damage in um but no there's there's no reason to panic, and I think also closer tabs are going to be kept on him naturally because he's what biggest sign you know since two thousand and five. Um, and and everything's about context. You know, I keep using this word, but Amiron only costs twenty million. Only, I mean, only that you know, in terms of Premier League football, it's not that much money. Um, so it's you know, it's a lot of pressure for a player who actually, in relative terms, isn't that expensive. But um, I don't think I don't think yesterday's anything to to worry about. Um, he certainly wasn't. He certainly wasn't the weakest performance on the pitch. In fact, he was probably one of the better ones, um, given given what he had to work in. Um, I'm I'm not I'm not unduly concerned. And in terms of formation, I'd be quite happy to see us play the same formation against Everton, i.e. The, the three centre halves and the two wing backs. I still think that that's where we'll get joy, and I still think it's it's been the formation that's given us our best performances um, this season. And and yesterday, yesterday I genuinely think it was just a one-off. We came up against a side who was so unbelievably inconsistent. You don't know what you're going to get out of them. Um, you know they got battered a four-two off Wimbledon away recently, um, and then they went and did a number on us and they won three 0 in the last game. They're not. They're they're a side that that works in fits and starts, and they're obviously on one of the little rolls at the moment. So I just I genuinely don't think yesterday's performance is anything to worry about at all. It's just an off day for a few players. And a good day for a few West Ham players. Yeah, interestingly, it. West Ham's next fixture is uh, Cardiff City away, and you know this has been yeah, a really but, but West Ham could well and truly lose that. Oh, yeah. they could definitely lose them. And um, you know the the fact that you know we've kind of said we'll do the relegation predictor shows kind of every few weeks for patrons, and we basically looked at Cardiff's fixtures and said you know Cardiff have still got Chelsea, Man City, 
um, Liverpool and Man United to play in their last nine games, um, which means they're going to have to beat the best of the rest, which is you know the, the likes of uh, Watford, Everton, and they basically got beat eight one in aggregate. And then Wolves yesterday, so it hasn't you know Cardiff really don't look like staying up, but you know anything, anything's possible. Um, you know Cardiff have got after West Ham they've got Chelsea at home because their Brighton game has been postponed because of Brighton's involvement in the FA Cup. Then they've got Man City away and Burnley away then Liverpool at home so I mean in terms of our relegation picture I still think we're possibly safe already but obviously that would be madness to for the players or the fans to relax um, a victory against Everton next week and we've got a stinking record against Everton um, so and, uh, it would be really really good to kind of get one over on them and they have a big game later on today against Liverpool in the derby but there's still plenty of points to win you know you look at our fixtures we've only got what uh, we've got four home games left Liverpool, Southampton, which would be a, could be a big game. Um, Southampton seem to be playing pretty well at the minute. Um, yeah, Everton and Palace. Palace. If Palace beat Watford next weekend, then uh, the Palace game will be moved. But you know, whilst we'll have you know decent a decent enough running, and there's only Arsenal away from that top six. The rest of the teams are are near enough the top ten apart from Fulham and Southampton so plenty to be done for Rafa's mags but you know what we always said it we said it last week Rafa's team Newcastle team win the big games when they have to they didn't have to win yesterday they didn't have to um, you know it was kind of a, a free hit almost particularly with Cardiff um, getting beat before we started Southampton getting beat before we started and, and it's one we missed unfortunately but overall uh, certainly no reason to panic and I think I put on social media yesterday like, I've seen that performance from Newcastle away from home like a hundred times over the years, I think we'll all have just turning up and getting beat and then having to play ourselves out of it in the second half um, under a variety of managers. Not normally under this manager, but, you know, it was always going to happen. I think that is the blue blueprint Newcastle United shite away performance, um, f- you know, from in my kind of 10, 15 years of going away from home to, to watch this side. And it's always the same thing. It's always first half lose the game, second half play a bit better and positives to take forward. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think Rafael will be unhappy with, with individuals and unhappy with the way that we approach that game. Um, and you have to give you have to give credit to West Ham. Pellegrini knows his stuff. He's a, he's a really good manager. Like I said before, I think just keeping West Ham away from the relegation zone this season, although they've invested heavily, like us this summer, it all being well, West Ham were playing, are playing catch-up. So if we spend £80 million this summer, I know. I know, but if we spend eighty million pounds this summer and Rafa's given a new contract, we are playing catch up on several years of neglect. Um, and Pellegrini, ba- Pellegrini basically said uh, the wing backs, as soon as they get the balls, I want two men on them in Mankio and, and Richie, so they had no time or space. We'll continue lost possession of the wing backs and press, um, leave Lascelles alone and press Charles and Lejeune when they're on the ball. And they, they did that, and it sounds pretty simple, but you've got to have the players committed to do it. And I think if you look at the team he picked, the likes of Snodgrass is going to get in your face. Noble back in the side today going to get in your face going to put tackles in that's the exact way to play against Newcastle particularly away from home um, and you know we saw we saw Noble try to kick Almiron out of it um, that that again would be no no mistake um, but overall uh, you know not a not, not, not a bad weekend because we're no closer to the relegation zone and there's a game less to play and ultimately this is this is where we are as Newcastle United at the minute let's hope it changes in the summer the interesting thing for me um, about yesterday is that um, it's so rare that Rafa is is outdone by um, a manager two times off the spin. Um, you kind of look at his record. Um, I mean, I'd imagine if you look at his record throughout his career, but especially at Newcastle, um, you know, we we might lose a match 
or we may be lucky to get something out of it. And you'll end up even thinking, "Aye, they they did a number on us today. Tactically, tactically they were better than us." Um, but then the kind of the the following match, the next time you face the same opposition, I mean, the next time you face the same manager, obviously you know Rafa's kind of learned from that experience, and he and he and he does something that that means that we we aren't out thought. Um, I mean, you know, I, yeah, let's look at Man City last season for example. You know, we lost um, we lost them twice, um, but I don't think that was down to any kind of tactical manoeuvres on Guardiola's part. That was just you know that was just a very expensively assembled squad of players playing good football but in terms of you know the, the differences between the two sides I actually thought Rafa got the tactics nailed on that day um, and you know we we kind of always seem to learn from from defeats um, but Pellegrini and I think this is testament to him as a coach this this season has on both occasions um, he's, he's outdone Rafa in, in, in on tactics that's not me saying that he's a better manager than Rafa I don't believe he is I think I think they're both in the same ballpark to be honest they're both absolutely fantastic coaches but um, I was just it's just interesting I, I suppose for me as a you know as a lover of um, managers with real tactical nous um, to see them kind of battle against each other and um, I it's it's definitely 2-0 at Pellegrini this season Um I don't think West Ham are necessarily streets ahead of us in terms of in terms of their abilities um, but I think obviously what what Pellegrini's done is, is he he's looked at looked at how we set up and he's told his he's told his players to play a certain way to stop us playing, whereas it's usually the way around. Rafa looked at the opposition and said, right, this is how we've got to stop them playing and this is how we can kind of take advantage of stopping them playing. Pellegrini's actually um not looked at his team as being the favourites in this particular game and it's almost like he's He's done a job where he's gone into the match, kind of thinking that we're the favourites, and he set his team up like that. And the, and the people, I mean, five 0 aggregate, it's you know they've absolutely done with this season. And um, I, um, hopefully, you know, when Rafa's here next season, because of course he will be, um, we'll go out and do the double over West Ham. I'm sure that'll happen. Uh, very briefly, Chris, um, reports today in the Sunday Times from Martin Hardy that Mike Ashley has taken the club off your market. Your thoughts? Your thoughts? Why this has hit the news now? Uh, to be honest, I've been waiting for it. For a little while, possibly since uh, you know that Kenyan letter uh, came out, and there was the stories about uh, more time being needed. Uh, you know whether it's true or not, uh, and comes to pass, we'll see. Uh, but you know Martin Hardy in the Times, fairly reputable source. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. But uh, just depressingly, uh, sounds like we're going to be saddled with uh, our beloved overlord for a bit longer. <laughs> it does, and uh, you know, reminder to Mike Ashley, who, who definitely doesn't listen to this show, but. Uh, that doesn't have to be a bad thing, you know. He could just let you know the manager and the people at the club um, run it properly as a football club uh, and invest the money, the huge sums of money the club generates. Um, but you know, I think pigs will fly, and uh, you know, if if he is definitely going to be here long term, I think it makes it far less likely the manager will stay. You could be looking at a position where the manager only has nine games left in charge of Newcastle United, uh, which would be very sad. But you know, we'll talk about that. I'm sure in the future. Um, the, you know the club and and Rafa to be fair keep saying we need to secure safety first. Um, so let's go and do that uh, against Everton next week. Um, obviously we're going to have an Everton preview with an Everton fan this week for you uh, for patrons. There is a new episode of True Faith out before the Everton game. Um, you know, have a have a look at the old issue if you if you fancy it. You know, it's only twenty five quid plus postage for a ten issue subscription. You know, this is a, this is Newcastle's only print fanzine written by fans for fans. If you want to write for it, get in touch. Podcast at truefaith.co.uk. Uh, we're also looking for writers on the website. Um, you know, we are a fan media organisation.
organization we're only interested in printing stuff and right you know showcasing written content from fellow fans regardless of your opinion of what you've got to say get in touch we love the fact we've got so many committed writers up for doing it at the minute and we want more so yeah i'll put a link to buy and take a subscription out or buy an individual issue if you're in the uk we'll post it to your door uh, if you're not in the uk we can send you a digital copy of the fanzine um and i think uh, norman riley you feature heavily in this new fanzine do you not um so if you want to hear norman's written words uh chris i'm not sure about you but you're in the the, the last issue definitely um yeah have a look uh at the links i'll leave in the description of this podcast chris and norman thanks so much for your time i, I don't think there's that much more to say about this week uh i'm sure we'll put in a much better performance against everton next week and we'll be back to our usual bubbly cells on the subject of Newcastle united thanks for listening